It is time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We really appreciate you tuning in to the, today to the show. We'll be on the air for the next hour. My name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the elders for the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And as usual, the co-host is Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine today, Mike. Now, normally, We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show, and I'd be giving you the numbers right now to call in. Uh, but it's not live today. We recorded this show earlier in the week because I have to be out of town today. And I forgot to mention this last week on the air, so um, maybe a surprise to some of you, but I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not in town. I'm in Cincinnati out of my 50 plus one high school reunion, if you can believe that. 50 plus one? Plus one. Well, they didn't do it last year. A bunch of scaredy cats with COVID, they wouldn't do it last year. So so they delayed it. They delayed it for a year, and I bet you a lot of them won't even show up then. But uh, don't get me started. Anyway, um, (laughs) half half of them are dead anyway, Gary. We're all old now, 70 years old, close. And so I never thought, I didn't even understand what 50 years meant. To be that old, much less to have graduated high school 50 years ago. Well, I guess I was but, doing uh, pretty good. My 50th, uh, only about 10% of them were gone. Well, I, I don't know how many, but uh, there are percentage-wise. I'm sure they'll have um, something there at the thing, and it'll be, you know, discouraging to see people's names that, that I didn't even know had passed away. My best friend in high school passed away uh, last year, in 2020, and I didn't know it for months. We'd, we weren't able to keep in touch, but... Um, Somehow he got put out with me over something. But in any event, um, it is interesting to see that. I grew up on a street in Cincinnati about oh, a quarter mile long, a dead end, in just a little little neighborhood, you know. And there were two other guys, one at one end, one at the other, that were in the same class as me. We grew up from the time before we even went to school together. We were friends. They're both gone. Uh, so it's kind of odd to see that. And I'm, I was probably in the by far the worst health of any of them when I was young. <laughs> and here I am, still kicking. So you you can't predict things like that. It, it, you can't really get a handle on those things. But anyway, that's why uh, we're, we're doing a, a recorded show today. So you won't be able to call in to the show. Sorry about that. If you want to leave a text message, though, about or an email about anything that's on the show or that's on your mind, we'd be glad to do that. I, we can still receive text messages. So let me give you those numbers, and you can send an email about the content of the show today or, or something you'd like to see us talk about next week. Lord willing, we'll be back live with a, uh, or we, we, next we'll, week. We'll just try to answer them next week. rather. Than right. We can do that. We can't do it live today. But if you'd like to leave a text message for uh, either me or Gary, we have two different text numbers, and you can use them anytime. My text number, Mike's, is 772 772-260-6120. 6120. Gary's text number is very similar, 772-260-6220. Just remember the last four, 6220. Yeah, or 6120, depending on, you know, whichever. And you can text either one. It we'll, we'll, uh, doesn't matter what you do. In fact, we had a text last week that uh, I thought, in my mind, I was thinking, well, we can deal with that this week. But I, I forgot myself I was going to be gone. And it was about... Um, well, now I just lost what it was about. Um, oh, um, the two, two different creation accounts in the book of Genesis, supposedly. Why yeah, are the, Genesis 1 and 2 seemingly so different? And we'll try to tackle that real soon here yeah. on the air. I got uh, to dig out my book. Probably should have done that this week, but it, it 
too many other things going on uh, and getting ready to go and didn't get that done. So I thought, uh, anyway, if you'd like to text us, those are the two numbers. If you want to email us, you can always email the show at justchristians at att.net, justchristians at att.net. We, we don't, uh, we won't be able to respond to email during the show, but we can certainly, we have done on the air. If you send us a message, we can respond with another show, or you, we can answer your question, or we can take your comment or criticism and respond to that. We Are Just Christians is about the idea that we should lay aside all the man-made customs and traditions, whether from secular belief or whether from other religious belief, and simply follow the New Testament. Simply follow the Bible, uh, uh, which the understanding the New Testament properly enables you to understand the Old Testament properly, probably and vice versa. But, but we need to take the Bible into consideration as the basis for our behavior, our belief, being a Christian, what the church ought to do, what we ought to do. That's our basic f- fundamental premise on this show. So if you do call in sometime or if we do answer a question, expect it to be based on that idea that we're going to try to give you a response from the Scriptures in a way that you can read it, understand it, and then decide what you're going to do about that yourself. John twelve forty eight. Yes, it's, it's, Gary mentions it every week, and that's right. a good thing. And it's a, I, I keep coming back to it because I think it's so important. It is, which is, Jesus says, the words that I speak will yeah. judge you in the he last day. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. There it is. So the, the words that he speaks are going to judge him. And so we need to, to remember that. That's why we emphasize the word. Because there's a judgment day coming. We're going to be held accountable for that. And we're going to be held accountable to God through the judgment of the words that Jesus Christ spoke. So we, want, we need to know those. We're going to point you to the text and try to have a, have a basic, plain understanding of the text. Not tradition, not human philosophy, whatever else it may be. So we consider on this show a pretty wide range of topics, if you've listened. Not only cultural things that are happening but other religious things, religious news from different churches or ideas that are uh, submitted. And, in fact, the show today, Gary, I want to talk about one of each, as it turns out, or I want. We, we, we're going to talk about one of each and um, to kind of hopefully bring something to you that might be interesting. There were a couple of articles uh, in the last couple of months that have been in the news, a couple of ideas, and I got a couple of articles in front of me that relate to these. There's, there's others out there. These are just two happen I happen to print out. Um, two different trials have taken place in Europe in the last couple of months over hate speech. And we say, well, that's in Europe. But this has already become recently a law in Canada. So we can expect these same kinds of trials. Maybe there's already some that have taken place in Canada. I think part of the problem that the one fellow got into in Canada about COVID had to do with this same issue of hate speech. but um, and, and since hate speech is becoming more and more an acceptable thing in the United States, that there is such a thing as hate speech, and it ought to be a prosecute, uh, a legally a thing as hate mm-hmm. speech. I'm not talking about the fact that I, I believe, of course, that you can commit, you can speak hatefully, Gary, and that you shouldn't speak hatefully. I believe we believe that, but we're talking about the legal definition of hate speech, making 
something that you say a crime, and really what it boils down to then is it's a thought crime. You're not allowed to think certain things because uh, there's a very short step between your thoughts and your speech. And so since you speak certain things, it's obvious that you harbor hate in your heart. And therefore, so to progressives, if I say marriage is between a man and a woman, that's a simple statement of fact. They call that hate speech, which is a judgment upon my intention or my animosity on my emotions, my feelings, my thoughts, rather than a simple statement of fact. Marriages should be between a man and a woman. So it's called hate speech because they view that as hateful talk. They've, already, they've judged my intentions when I say something like that. Now there, Is that something like a microaggression? Well, a microaggression is when you... Yeah, it would be to some people. Really, it's a macroaggression, Gary. It's a big aggression. A microaggression is when you do something that even you don't realize is offensive to somebody because of their ethnicity or of their... If you hold a door for a woman who's coming out of a store, coming into a store, and you hold the door open for her, that is considered a microaggression against her as a woman. It's a demeaning thing that you do that they, they can interpret as being demeaning and insulting. Even though you don't mean it that you way. You don't mean it that way. You're just being polite. So what it boils down to to me, Mike, is it's how somebody decides to take what you said. Yes, that's words, why it's a thought. It's all, it's all it, in their mind. It's and not all your, in the thought, right? That's all, why they're called yes, thought crimes. More importantly, it's all in their mind, what not What they yours. say it is. Yes. Now, it is possible and wrong for Christians morally to just use hateful speech our speech is to be seasoned with salt to give grace to him that hears it's to build up let everything be done unto edifying paul says so our speech is to build up now that doesn't mean we can't use negative speech or speech that others consider to be inflammatory even but the purpose of our speech is to build up not not just to insult and incite now, these two trials, one took place in Finland. There was a pair of people that were put on trial, one of them a fairly important official. In January, um, it actually took place in February, I guess, the Finnish prosecutors described quotations from a little booklet and a public speech that had been given about sex and marriage published by Lutheran Bishop Johanna Pahola uh, and member of parliament Piavi Rosanen had written a pamphlet because they're devout members of the Church of, of uh, Finland, which is a type of Angli- uh, it's called Anglican church. It's an Orthodox church. A- and um, they were taken to court by the public prosecutor there uh, and, uh, and so forth because of the statements in this book and then some that they had made publicly on, I think, a TV show that um, they believed that God had designed men and women to be separate in two sexes and that they, he would design marriage to be from uh, between a man and a woman. So here's a quote. Uh, the prosecutor began the day by trying to explain that this case was not about beliefs and the Bible, she then, and I'm not kidding, she then proceeded to quote Old Testament Bible verses. Trial attorneys, Finnish trial attorneys who had been in and out of uh, court, 
every day for years, so they didn't think the Bible had ever been read like, quite like that in a prosecution. So never before has a Finnish court had to decide whether quoting the Bible is a crime. But they quoted the Bible extensively in this trial because that's what the pamphlet did to explain its beliefs. And so these people put on trial. This is considered to be breaking the law in Finland by the prosecutor because it's a hate crime to a homosexual to say that marriage is between a man and a woman. And um, anyway, there's a whole long, I don't want to read a whole, whole article. I, what happened eventually from this is that um, th- these two people were acquitted, but the prosecutor said that he's going to bring more charges. He isn't done with it at all bring more charges and so um, against them for this reason. What, the problem in Finland, Gary, interestingly enough, and this book, this book that they wrote was written in 2004, uh, is that this relig- Christianity is the state religion of Finland. We don't have a state religion in the United States. It's one of the <laughs> things the founding fathers said you can't have, establishment of religion. But Christianity is the established religion. And this particular church in Finland, Church of Finland, whatever it's called, is the state church. And here are prosecutors prosecuting people for believing what the state church teaches about uh, in an orthodox way. Oh, and by the way, this is not about the religion in the Bible, right? All this trial was not about the Bible or religion. Not so, not so much. Ex- yeah, yeah. except that they quoted the Bible extensively. In well, fact, the, the, the people who watched this trial, even the people who were in favor of a conviction, were astounded because most of the day was spent reading Bible quotations and, and uh, uh, expositions of biblical texts that these two had done. Well, they that, said they'd never seen anything like it in a Finnish court before. On a trial attacking the Bible, they kept reading the Bible all day. But it, any, it basically it just goes back to my my observation about the left and what they do is is that they they attempt to change the definition of everything so that you can't really understand what they're saying. This is not about the Bible yet; it is, and that's the point. Yes, okay, I got your point now. I, I did, but anyway, uh, people are watching this trial because. Um, it's it basically tantamount to a secular blasphemy law. You know, blasphemy is something like you'd find in the Islamic country where someone says something about Allah and they get taken out and, you know, put in prison or beheaded because they blasphemed Allah in something that they wrote or said or what they thought. We don't have any laws like that in the United States particularly. But now with hate crime, my point my point to our listeners, Gary, nobody hears from Finland. Nobody from Finland is listening to this show, I don't suppose. But, but the point is that when you support, when you're in your political little life out there, when you support politicians. And vote for them. And vote for them that support hate crimes, you are supporting this thing. This is where it's going. Mark my words. This is where it's going. Uh and, and I'm not advocating that you get out and spew hatred toward gay people. I don't do that. Don't think you should do that. But it's quite a bit different story when you say the government says you can't say anything about gay that gay people don't like. See, here, here's, here's the problem, though. You, you quoted basically Colossians 4, 6 the other day about what uh, – earlier today, earlier in this show, 
It says, uh, Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, that's the New King James Version. But then let's go look at Romans 1. And if you start going back, and if I read Romans 1, 24 through about 28 or 20 or 32, that's considered going to be considered hate speech. The sure. Romans chapter 1 is all about homosexuality and and basically what happens and some of the things that are God considers evil and sinful, and that's going to be hate speech. Yes. It's, it's the idea that you can't say things of a certain type. Now, this is what's going on. Okay. Somebody says that, that um, hate speech laws are so vaguely worded that they're subjective. They're ripe for arbitrary enforcement and so forth and so on. This is what's happening with this new agency in the federal government that's been established on misinformation. The misinformation. The Ministry of Truth is what Orwell called it, where the government gets to decide through it through their belief what misinformation is and then do something. Let me tell you something. The government's not doing this for entertainment. They're doing they're they're started a ministry of truth, ministry of disinformation, so that they can do something about it, enforce some arbitrary laws that they make that of what is infra- what's true, what you're allowed to believe, what you're not allowed to believe, which what means, you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. Which really means what you're allowed to think and what you're not allowed I'm to surpri- think. Yes, I'm surprised you didn't call it the, uh, you know, the ministry for, oh, for, for free speech, the free speech ministry. That's, or, or, that's, well, you know, you know, Orwell called the, it ministry, the ministry of truth. Of truth but, but that's the idea. So those, all these things are linked together. Now, uh, the, the problem for Christians with those things is that we, the world is always against Christianity, has always been. Jesus said this plainly in his teaching, that if they're against me, they're really going to be against you. And, of course, that, that animus and the nature of it and the breadth of the hatred, the enmity the world has about true Christianity waxes and wanes over generations of course we're in a period where it's increasingly difficult to speak to just simply quote bible verses without without running into problems uh you'll get thrown off facebook and twitter for saying these things and so when the government steps in and says we got a ministry for misinformation well is it is it misinformation to say that god created one man and one woman, and that's what marriage is. Is that misinformation? Well, it is according to the federal. I can guarantee you that's what Joe Biden believes, and that's what Kamala Harris believes. I'm just mentioning a couple, not even to pick on them, okay? I can guarantee you by their public statements, that's what those folks believe that you're doing. You're spreading misinformation when you say those kinds of things. And if you've got an agency set up to, to, to go after misinformation, how far a step is it, folks? You think that everything's fine and just just talk about nice things all the time. How far a step is that to saying you, the churches cannot say these things? Uh, it's it's a very short step, Gary. Well, and and, and uh, unfortunately, people are asleep at the wheel with regard to this. I think. Well, in, there, in there's churches. a there's a there's a passage that Jesus speaks of, and he says, I believe he says, uh, if you confess me before men 
I will confess you before my Father in heaven. If you do not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. Now, what does that imply? What does it mean? What does it mean to confess him? Well, it mean, to me, it means teach what he taught, say the words that he said. Well, the word confess means to say the same, same thing. thing. Literally, yeah. the, in Greek, it's, it's to, to say the same to thing. Say the same thing. Yeah. And so if you can't say the same things that he said, where do you stand in the judgment day? Right. Now, what it means is to us, you're going to pay a price for doing that. Yeah, and and all I'm I'm not afraid to pay the price. I know you're not either, Gary. I'm just saying we don't have to go rushing headlong into paying the price in the United States of America. If enough people stand up and say, "No, you're not going to have a ministry of truth," we're going to let people, even if it's wrong, say what they, what they want. Then we can postpone this. We've been on, we've on this radio show. You and I have said repeatedly, in case we got new listeners here, that that we're not out, even though we oppose the practice of homosexuality and gay marriage and those things. And I, we try to show you why from the scriptures and from moral reasoning. We're, we're not out to stop anybody else from coming on WPSL and saying the opposite of what we're saying. There are shows on this, on this radio station, religious shows, that, that I disagree with and so forth. We're not out in any way, shape, or form to silence those people or stop them from buying airtime or get them in trouble with the Port St. Lucie City Council or even the ownership of the station of WPSL. We have no interest in that. As long as we can say what we think is the truth and teach that, then I'm content in the United States of America to let other people have their say, even though I think that they're wrong. Now, is that not your position, Gary? Oh, exa- I think they're exactly. wrong. And, and to, to, to really put it into perspective, it's been the position of this country for almost 250, for, for 250 years. years. That's the whole point. And, and, I, and, and some religious people might disagree with that and, and so forth. But I think that's the only way that the truth can have, an, have an elbow, any elbow room in this discussion. Once you try to enforce a certain t- kind of speech that is not violence, and I don't think at words are violence, okay? Attitudes are not violence. But once you try to enforce something that's not violence, I think you run into a whole serious problem just like this. Now, there's another story, Gary. This, is, this happened more well, there's, recently. There's one other point we need to make. Right, go ahead. Government can only act in two ways. Government can only influence you by persuading you, and if they can't persuade you, the other way they do it is at the point of a gun. Well, persuasion is always the carrot they hold out because they got a stick in their other hand. Right. Okay. Got, laws, laws have to have a form of punishment. Regulations, if they don't have a form of punishment, a stick, there's no such thing as a law. It's not a law. It's just a suggestion. And it's not the business of the United States government or even any other government to make suggestions to people. That's not what we're paying them for, as it were. They're, they're, they're there to enforce it. So there's always a penalty. They may not say the penalty very loudly, but they do research to figure out what the penalty should be. So ultimately... Why, my, why do I keep thinking about my four or five hour encounter with a Clinton employee back in the 90s at the IRS who was auditing my taxes? And the long converse interrogation I underwent because our church here doesn't have women running the church... And she interrogated me for a long time. Why, why does my mind keep going back to that, Gary? Information gathering 
about how this church operates because it was not according to what she, as an IRS employee, thought was proper. If she'd had a law behind her, I'll tell you, you'd be behind bars. She was trying to create the case to make a law or a regulation. That's what she was trying to do. And I expect it to be something else, but it hasn't been so far. But in any event, my mind keeps going back to that. Ultimately, the government is going to come by force to put these things in in, unless Unless enough people stand up and say, you've gone far enough, that's enough. And I hope that people will do that. Not just about religion, but uh, but uh, all this other kind of stuff. And I have no interest in making a law that you can't talk about homosexuality or gay marriage. I have no interest in making that law. Uh, I, I think I should, can persuade people what they ought to believe about that, and they should listen, but that, that's But it is a law in California. Me. Right. It, that, that's becoming a law uh, every place that you yeah. can't say things. So uh, the other one happened in April this year. A London street preacher was acquitted of hate speech after preaching the biblical definition of marriage. Now, in both cases, in both these cases, there was an acquittal, but I'm alarmed at the very fact there was a prosecution. Or the fact that he had to expend expend resources to get a lawyer. He had to go to to court. Uh, All of these things... And, and whether or not he's acquitted or not, then he's lost in some way. The, the next person is going to come along and be convicted. And that's what the problem. They'll, they'll, they learn from the acquittal what they have to do to get the conviction. All right? 72-year-old street preacher John Sherwood has been char- cleared of charges of hate speech. There it is again. A year, a year after an incident, he, for a year he suffered through this. I think it's not the first time either, second time in which he was arrested after preaching the traditional definition of marriage in an open-air sermon near London's Uxbridge Underground Station in April 2021. He serves as a pastor of the Penn Free Methodist Church in London, was preaching from the book of Genesis. We're having class on Genesis right now, see, Gary. God's design in creating mankind was to set human beings and families headed by a father and a mother, not by two fathers or two mothers. This, the distinction within mankind of two genders, male and female, made in the image of God, constitutes the essence of God's created order. That's what he said in the sermon. That's a quote from the sermon. I say amen to that. That's exactly correct. That's exactly what it says. But police arrived on the scene. Can you imagine this? It's coming to the United States. And I'm not a radical, crazy person, I don't think, to say that. We've got way too much evidence that if they thought this could already be being done, it would be being done, but they, they can't quite pull the trigger sometimes, but they will soon. God's design in creating, uh, uh, police arrived on the scene in response to multiple complaints of, quote, alarm and distress. People were feeling alarmed and distressed because they were hearing what he was saying. Officers warned Sherwood to avoid making any homophobic homophobic remarks, which he didn't accept that he preached this definition. In response, Sherwood told the police that to uphold God's moral law and to speak about the dangers of sin in respect to LGBT issues implies absolutely no hatred or unpleasantness towards any individual or group of people. Indeed, it's an act of love towards one's neighbor. Nevertheless, he said, the Bible's description of homosexuality as sinful is plain and clear-cut. And he says he even pointed out that an LGBTQ pride parade was taking place nearby and was affirming beliefs that Christians would find offensive and he argued there was no law against offending people. And he resumed preaching. After bystanders voiced their complaints again, officers stepped in and took him into custody. 
So he says, there's a gay pride parade right there. They're saying things I find offensive. Go arrest them. Do you think they did that? No. Nope. They arrested the Christian. Uh, During by, the, by the way, I just want to point out for our listeners, the, the passage that he's referring to and that you were talking about is Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Yeah, and he, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he made the male and female and so forth. Yeah. He only made two, and they were one male and one female. And he, so anyway... Uh, I just he, like to give them those those. He was those doing references. this publicly. Yeah, he, they need. I thank you, Gary, because they do need to know the reference. I think it's, to me, it's they're so obvious that I forget that a lot of people might not know what he was saying. And um, the, the here's another quote from the news story: "The trial was quite remarkable in that there was so much scripture quoted in it," said a friend and fellow pastor, Peter Simpson, according to the Christian Post. Uh, he, he said he was with Sherwood when he was preaching the sermon that led to his arrest. And so he, Pastor Sherwood, was determined to press upon the prosecution that everything he ever preaches is grounded upon the final authority of God's Word, the Bible. Now, of course, that's what's on trial. The Bible is what's on trial because according to the... You people have so much sympathy for LGBTQ plus IA uh, advocates, advocates. What you don't realize is that to them, quoting the Bible is hate speech. They are determined to eliminate any co common, plain understanding of many Bible passages. They, they have to because the Bible is too plain in its condemnation of homosexuality as a lifestyle. Not of hatred toward the people who practice it any more than, any, any more than it is a condemnation of heterosexual sinful behavior such as fornication and adultery, the Bible condemns those as much as it does homosexuality. And that's what's preached here. But those are, would be considered hate crimes and so forth. Well, so it, it, anyway. It goes further than that. You're, you're talking about we're, we're getting into where in the news I'm seeing references made to now it's okay to uh, be a pedophile. That, well, of that, course. That's, a, that's the same thing. Now, here, you're a map. You're a minor attracted person. person. This is right, what Harvard exactly. and the New York Times called it. We had this a sermon. I preached this in a sermon a couple weeks ago. You're just but, a but, map. But that's minor that's, attracted person. That's where it's leading to, and and we've got. That's why you've got this LGBTQ, ZQ, whatever it is. All these people are joining into that. And one of the things that I saw on the news the other day, a commentator that I respect. I guess I'll go ahead and mention her name, Dana Perino. And she was talking about this map thing that you're, you're speaking about, Mike. And she made the comment, says, how did we get to this point? It's and been the goal all along. Well, my point was, as soon as you okayed homosexuality, you started down that road. And she, in her own commentary, has said, okay, homosexuality is fine. That's her opinion. I said, you're the one that started us down this see, road. See, Gary, it goes back to the idea that came about in the 70s, maybe a little before, that, that homosexuality is a sexual orientation. Not. Now, there, there may be a little truth and sort of to that, but that, that has a meaning to people. And now, not only is homosexuality a sexual orientation, but transsexuality is... Now, an orientation. orientation. And, of course, 
And I'm a person that's had experience dealing with pedophiles in real life, uh, in, in, in counseling situations otherwise. And what in studying this, that's exactly what those people have been saying for a long time, that the attraction to young people, either ephebophobia, which is an attraction to teenagers or preteens, te- teens and prepubescent kids, all the way from maybe 16, 17 on down, and then pedophilia, which is an attraction to children, maybe age 8 and under. They're, they're distinct things. Those are both considered by the psychological associations and by all the politically correct people as simply sexual orientations. Just like a, a, a person is attracted to uh, a person of the opposite sex, some people are attracted to people of the same sex by orientation, and they can't control that. It's beyond their control. They were born that way. Now, I don't know how you consider the fact that these transsexuals are now saying you can choose your gender when you're supposedly born that way. I say pick one. You can either choose it or you were born that way. But then they say that you, you can't really choose this attraction to young people, to children. Well, that's wrong. I mean, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of actual evidence against that, not only in real life but in, in the literature, that you don't have any choice over ephebophobia or pedophilia. Uh, or do, do you have an orientation or an attraction? Yes, you do, but what's the cause of it? And there's so much link. It just simply is not true. But we went down that pathway. People like Dana Preen and other people follow the pathway because it feels intellectual to say, well, I believe in sexual orientations and so forth. That justifies them when their friend says they're gay. Well, you can't help it. And so now then, now then, and ever since we accepted those premises, Gary, in the reading I've done on this for a long time, this is exact. I got a whole set of files in my computer on this. For a long time, this is exactly what Lambda, or Nam, Nambla, excuse me, Nambla, the North American Man-Boy Love Association is an organization that's been trying to get laws passed for years with regard to this. Their contention is that it's a sexual orientation just like heterosexuality or homosexuality. And I'm going to make a prediction. The next step is bestiality. Yeah, sure. Well, you, you, you've already, if you can marry, if you can, you can marry whoever you want. You know, Gary... The slogan is, love is love is love, right? That sounds so wonderful. Lots of Christians slap that up on their Facebook wall. Love is love, love is love is love. And, you know, you know if that's true, you, you know, can you marry your chandelier like one woman wanted to? Can you marry your car? Can you marry your dog? People do that. Or your cat. Your cat or what, some other kind of animal. Can you marry your sister? Can you marry your, your grandson? All you of know. these. The sure. Point, the if, lo- is, if love is love is love, all those things are fine. Now, the only thing that comes in is consent, and that's pretty fuzzy and shady because I can tell you from experience that it wouldn't be hard to prove that some of these children consent to this stuff. Now, I'm putting that in quotes, and I want you to know I don't believe it's true consent. But if consent is all that is... If that's the gold standard to justify any sexual activity, consent, you're going to have a hard time in the long run stopping what we call pedophilia today. 
you're going to have a hard time stopping it. You're going to have a hard... I, I read a story about some 63-year-old Pentecostal bishop. I put that in quotes sarcastically. Some 63-year-old Pentecostal bishop that's marrying a 14-year-old in his church. And everybody's happy about it, including the girl, apparently. Well, there you go. It's consent. Well, but Who can argue? He, she consents. Basically, what we've got to point out, though, is all of these things, every one of these things are condemned by God in Scripture. The practice is condemned. Yeah, to, and, and I'll say this. I, there, there, there's a lot of room in Scripture for different age, different age ages between people. But some of the stuff is considered perversion, and a lot of it just simply is not healthy, it isn't good, and needs to be examined instead of justified. Yeah, and it's going to be so. it's going to be years before we see the result of a lot of this transgender movement and what people are doing with basically hormone treatment and surgery and things. What's going to happen to those people? Are they are they yeah, going to be happy? And I suspect those are already not happy. They're going to be worse. Well, in any event, this is um, this is a problem, and I guess part of my concern is that I know that a lot of well-meaning Christians have good hearts. Oh, well, we shouldn't say anything that somebody co- finds offensive. It's bad, Mike. You say things that people don't like, you're offensive. You shouldn't say anything people don't like. Now, think about that for a moment. In, in, in light of what I've just told you about, these hate speech, what we've just examined, well, and you'll see how how foolish that kind of thinking is for Christians to well, engage in. Basically, Jesus was guilty of what the Pharisees called hate speech for all, all of his life. Disinformation. Or disinformation. Yeah, misinformation, And he sure. died for it. He died because of it. He, was, uh, he, he didn't please them when he spoke. I saw a cartoon this week where Jesus was brought up before the ministry of truth, as it were, because... The Pharisees were saying they centered his post because if you want to find out the truth, uh, this rabbi from Galilee is putting out all kinds of misinformation about Moses' law. And if you want to find the truth, go to your local rabbi and find out the truth about what God really said. Don't believe this misinformation from this Jesus fellow. You know, that's the way we, that's the way we are. Oh, they're, expert, they're experts in the law. We can only trust the experts that are approved by, by the uh, elite people, you know, by the educated classes. What, what, what charge did they lay against Jesus and his disciples? That they were unlearned and ignorant men. Right. That's the charge they laid against Jesus. And so today we have people going around all the time, oh, you have to believe, only believe what religious and scientific experts say about everything. Well, that leaves out a whole lot of Jesus' teaching. And by the way, those scribes and Pharisees were the trained and experts in the Mosaic Law. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And, the, and what Jesus was saying was misinformation to them, disinformation. So you've got to think about these things a little more deeply than people are and put it in its proper context. Well, let's change the subject, Gary, before well, we do before that. before we do, I would like right. to read a rather long passage because I want people to understand from Romans 1 what is actually said. This is part, this is part of my, uh, my thought. When, we, when Mike and I say something and, and you're listening out there in the radio, don't take our word for it. Go to the Bible and find it. And that's why I keep trying to insist on giving you the references that we need to give you to go and look for that. And this one is Romans 1 beginning in verse 18 and going through verse 32. 
He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God is shown okay, to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because also, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Pay attention to that. They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, and professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Now I can go on and read a list of things that they are from verse 25 on through 32, but I won't bore you with that. Go right. look at these passages, please. Right. And, and if you have a good reference, you, you'll find corresponding passages in the Old Testament that talk about all the things that Mike and I have talked about here. I just don't have time to right. go and, look and them and up. Right, and of course, people dispute what those passages might mean, but I think that and some passages in 1 Corinthians 6 are rather clear. Yes. That homosexual behavior is simply something that's immoral because it doesn't fit the pattern of one man and one woman being committed for life to one another before they engage in sexual relations. That's the Bible standard, and it that condemns both heterosexual sexual activity that's outside of marriage as well as homosexual activity and there's not even any such thing as homosexual marriage in the bible it doesn't solve the problem now there's a lot to be discussed there but saying that is not hate speech it's a it's just simply a fact of what the bible says and it's what most human cultures have believed for thousands of years are anyway and the in verse 32 who knowing the righteous judgment of god that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also, get this, approve of those who practice them. Right. So it's a sin for us to encourage and approve of this behavior, um, which is destructive to people. Destructive yes. to people. That's what this man meant when he was being prosecuted. I don't, he didn't have any hate in his heart. He was trying to do something that he thought would be helpful to the person because it would warn them of their behavior being wrong okay well, I'm, I'm all right that's I'm, fine that's I'm, good I'm, I'm glad you, i'm glad you read that because it, it does set that scriptural tone now but let me let me mention a couple things and we're going to change the subject for the time we have left this morning you by the way you can't call in today because it is a recorded show but you can call in next week at the regular numbers and we'll give those when we get back but and you can text us as we mentioned early in the show uh this show is also available 
by recording on our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. You can find the back recordings of this show going back a long time, uh, and you can get that as a podcast. You can listen to it there on the website, but you can also subscribe to a podcast and have this sent to your phone or other devices whenever they're released, and you can. some people do that. It's wearejustchristians.com. You can find that on Apple iTunes also. You can also listen to this show live. You can tell your friends about this, even if they're not in Port St. Lucie. They can go to the, port, the WPSL website, which is WPSL.com. You'll see a Listen Live button there. At 9 o'clock Eastern Time, you can click on that, and it'll bring, you to the sh- bring the show right to your phone or computer in your car, wherever you want to listen to it. You can tell your friends about that, 9 o'clock Eastern. And, I've, and you can also get this show live through any Google or Alexa devices that you might have by asking for WPSL. Port St. Lucie, 1590 WPSL, something like that, and you can get the show. So there's ways for you to tell your friends out of state or the people about the show. They can even then call us up, or they can text the show, text us, and, and we, can, we can talk with them. And if you find, hear stuff that you disagree about, we'd, we would be happy to hear from you on the show. We say that when we're on the air live, that we don't, we don't mind disagreements at all. We, we would love to get calls from unbelievers or, peop- or people that disagree. And we're going to give you the last word. We're going to have a discussion, point you to the Bible. And we'll give you the last word, and you can have your say. So we encourage you to do that. So send out the word about the show. We appreciate you doing that. Now, in the time we have left, Gary, another thing, that came, it came up in your Bible class the other night. I'm not, I, I think it must have come up some other way. You mentioned this, and, and so I, I ran across, I had something in my files about, about it, and that's the subject of being saved like the thief on the cross. You'll hear people say that they want to be saved. When you say you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, they will say, well, I want to be saved like the thief on the cross. And um, I, have you ever heard anybody say that, Gary, or alluded oh, to that? Well, I've heard references of similar made to that. You know, why is baptism necessary? Well, here's the thief on the cross. He wasn't baptized, and Jesus obviously saved him. Right. So right. basically that's where it's coming from. And one of the things that I had come across, and and I had been taught different things, you know, Sharon and I have been Christians for uh, almost 40 years now. But uh, early on, we had had kind of the same questions. I mean, when when you're... It's a common assertion. We were looking at that thing, and we had kind of the same questions. And and the answers that I was given just, quite honestly, didn't quite satisfy me, just to be honest with you. Uh Uh-huh. So... And through my studies, I came upon this passage in Matthew 9, uh, 4 through 7, where Jesus heals a paralytic that they're letting down through the, through the ceiling. And it says, uh, and Jesus says, but Jesus knowing their thoughts, this is Matthew 9, 4, but Jesus knowing their thoughts, why do you think evil in your hearts for which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? Well, okay, why would he say that? 
The reason he said that is in verse 6, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, to me, that answered the question. And that was a satisfactory answer. Jesus just proved and made a point to the people who were watching this that he had power on earth to forgive sins. Right. Maybe we should set this story up a little bit in case some don't know what we're talking about. But when you read verses such as Acts 2.38, when they ask what they should do to be saved, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said at the end of it, after his resurrection, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark sixteen sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. In Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias, Paul, Saul is recounting his conversion. Ananias, who taught Paul, Saul, said, why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Now, when you point out those passages to people as to what it takes to receive forgiveness of sins and be saved, they say, well, that doesn't matter. Baptism is just a work of men. I don't believe in baptism. I want to be saved like the thief on the cross. And there they're referring to like Luke 23 when Jesus is hanging on the cross. Many of you will know that when he was crucified, they they crucified two other men next to him, one on the right hand, one on the left hand called malefactors in, in the King James. They were, they were pretty bad criminals, persistently bad criminals, uh, kidnapping, extortion, things like that. The Romans were going to make an example of them. And it says then in, in Luke 23, about verse 39, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying do you not even fear god seeing that you are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong so he rebuked this other thief and said you and i are hanging here because we deserve to die this man hadn't done anything wrong and who who are you to say this and so then he turned then he turned to jesus and said to him Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, this man then believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was coming into his kingdom. He believed that. And then Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's what Gary's referring to. That's what people refer yes. to being said. So here's a man hanging on the cross. He can't get down and be baptized. Uh, he does make a confession, in my opinion, because he says... Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. That's a type of belief and confession. But he certainly can't be baptized. And they say, well, I want to be saved like that. Now, your first point is, the main point that you would make, Gary, is that what this shows is not a way for you to be saved today in the 21st century. This was a particular event that occurred because Jesus himself said that while he was on the earth, he had the power to forgive sins. Yes. And he exercised that power right, right here. here. Two or three other places, he says, go, go, go away. Go and sin no more. He, for, he, he you say, daughter, your sins are forgiven you. He did this several times throughout his ministry. He forgave people's sins on the spot. 
Now, that was, a, that was a statement when he did this a couple of times. Who is this man who forgives sins? And they accuse him of blasphemy. The people who heard him, the Pharisees, knew what this meant. When he said, your sins are forgiven you, they knew that he was claiming to be God when he did that because only God can forgive sins. Yeah. And therefore, they knew his claim was that he was God. That's what happened on, on the cross. So I have to tell you, my friends, if you're relying on this kind of salvation to be saved, you're in trouble. This kind of salvation was not offered to you. You don't live in a time when Jesus is on the earth personally and coming to you personally to forgive your sins. So you cannot be saved like the thief on the cross because he was exercising his power he had while he was on the earth. He's not here. You're going to have to do what Jesus himself said and told his apostles, repent and be baptized to receive the forgiveness of your sins. And, and so we ask the question, why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized, you see. So Jesus did have the power. He said that to the paralytic in Luke 5. I think that's the one that you quoted. In Luke 7, he says the same thing to the sinful woman. My daughter, you, you know, your sins are forgiven you. And so, therefore, he could do this. But um, this is not a type of salvation that's available. When Jesus was getting ready to leave his apostles before he was crucified, he told them, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when, when I go away, I'll send the spirit of truth. He'll come to you, and he'll tell you, what you ought to do and then you can you'll be guided into all truth he said this in john 16 now in acts chapter 2 jesus had ascended back to heaven in acts 1 he told him to go to jerusalem and wait for power from on high the disciples went to jerusalem they were sitting in jerusalem the spirit came upon them and they began to speak as the spirit gave them utterance which means it came through the authority of jesus christ and that's when he told the people to repent and be baptized to be to have their sins forgiven and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, when you are baptized for the remission of your sins, you're not doing something strange and special. You're doing exactly what Jesus told you to do to be saved. Well, there's a premise that goes with this that I think we don't examine very much or think about very much. One cannot go to heaven with unforgiven sins. Yeah, that's right. It's impossible. If you if you have sins that are not forgiven, you are not saved. Uh, it's as simple as that. If that if that's if that's not true, God hasn't told us that. That's He's told us that we need to have our sins forgiven given. to be saved. And if God decides to do something different, of course, God can do whatever He wants. Well, I say that He can't lie, but uh, and some other things. But but He can't break His promises. But you understand what I mean when I say right. Can, can do what he wants. His will can extend beyond much of what he might have tell us. But we are responsible to do what he has told us to do. And, and the realization that that Paul points out to us that all have sinned and fallen short of the Lord is what's missing in, in people that don't seem to understand <laughs> right. this. We, we cannot be saved with 
unforgiven sins, and we have all sinned. Baptism is not just some kind of a little little religious ritual rite that you yeah, do. Yeah, but the problem some is, abracadabra. It's this not. This is a serious matter. Of you're 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 a sinner, and you need to be forgiven. And Jesus says, "Do this to be forgiven." And so you're going to do that. Yeah, it uh, maybe First Peter three twenty one kind of points out a little bit more about that. And I'm just going to start. In First Peter, there is also an antitype which now saves us: baptism, not the removal of the flesh, but the answer of a the good filth conscience. of flesh. Yes, uh-huh. not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Because oh, how can water save you? You know, you can take a bath; water can't save you. I don't believe in water salvation. Well, Peter makes the point: the water of baptism isn't about the water; it's about obedience. It's about it's obedience. The answer of a good and, conscience. And it's about what God. God does, not what you do. Not what you do. So it's a symbolic burial, but it's not just symbolic. It is what God says: the washing takes place. The washing way of what? The washing of sins takes place there. Now, the other couple things I want to bring up about this, Gary, besides this Well, baptism is the point at which God forgives your sins. That's the point. Yes, that's correct. And and the reason, and we stress that here, and and Gary's answer to is correct about the fact, about the thief, that Jesus, while on the earth, could forgive sins, but we're not with, in that, we're not in that same situation today. The, the real truth of the matter is, I'd say the real truth, the other aspect of this that's connected to it is that the thief was saved before baptism was commanded. The baptism of Jesus Christ was not commanded for anybody until after Jesus' resurrection, which occurred after this event of the thief. After his resurrection, he sent the Holy Spirit to tell the apostles to preach this doctrine. And so you have in Matthew 28, just before he ascended to heaven, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So after the thief was saved by Jesus' special act of forgiveness, Jesus commanded baptism for everybody else and told all the apostles, go everywhere and preach this. This isn't some special Church of Christ doctrine or some little hidden corner. This is what Jesus told the apostles to teach from the beginning. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he says in Matthew, recorded in Mark 16, uh, around at the same time. And it's a baptism into Jesus' death. This is what was commanded after Jesus was raised from the dead, and the thief was never subject to that baptism. He was dead before Jesus ever made that command, and so he he was not subject to be baptized that way. And, and one of the things that I... We don't know if he was baptized yeah. with John's baptism or not, but go ahead. Well, one of the things that I said in the class was basically, if, if you're here today talking about that and want to imagine that Jesus is here on earth and talking to you personally and would say your sins are forgiven, okay, that's fine to the extent that that's the end of the story. But the question you need to ask and what Mike's talking about here is would he say that to you? Sure. And the answer is no. No. He's told you something else that you should do. He already told the disciples. So, and he was saved before Jesus' covenant even began, which which we must live under. So we got part of this thing done. But I want you to, if you're relying on being saved like a thief, I want you to be warned about that. You need to do what Jesus has commanded all of us today today to do is just to be because to repent and be baptized and for the remission of our sins. Right. We could go a lot of places. That covenant began with his death. And that doesn't include 
being baptized as a baby and being sprinkled. Right. Anyway, Gary, our time is gone. We really appreciate you listening today and hope to be back, Lord willing, next week live with you on We Are Just Christians. We would point you, as I mentioned before, to our website, which is wearejustchristians.com, and invite you to come and come and worship with us this morning. We meet at 10 o'clock for Bible study and 11 o'clock for worship with the communion, and we would certainly be glad to have you. You're not going to be asked for money or embarrassed. Come and be with us, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. And God bless you, and tune in again next week. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL Port St. Lucie.